It's never easy to recover after a tough loss, especially to your rival. But that is the task for the Pitt Panthers as they have to turn the page and host Central Florida on Saturday. The biggest question this week facing the Panthers might be, how do they contain this electric UCF offense? We discuss that and more on this week's edition of the Hail to Pit podcast. Because you need two scores to win the football game. Unless you guys are playing for overtime, you know, we're trying to win a football game. So, you know. Yeah, we can do a lot of different things. Just looking at the success we had running the ball today on that front seven, and we didn't have much success. Um, again, like I said, we can look back at all our calls, guys. Um, you know, all the armchair quarterbacks, you guys all got those armchair desks there. It's easy to make those decisions. We were throwing the ball, you know, through for over 300 yards. We felt like, you know, we had some plays open. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, look, we'll go back and look and see what we did um, and, and uh, make decisions off of that. Hell to pit. Hail to Pit! This is the week of September 21st, and this is the Hail to Pit podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Vince. And I'm Pam. And I don't have any arms on my chair, and I'm ready to get at this game. If you were watching from Vegas, Pitt rose to the occasion in Happy Valley, but if you wanted Pitt to actually win the ball game, you were not satisfied with just the cover against Penn State, a game that featured a good Kenny Pickett, some bad tackling, and an all-time controversial coaching decision that will live in infamy as we wait, well, who knows, 100 years or so for another Pitt-Penn State matchup. Until that day, there's plenty of football to be played, so after a recap of the loss to the Nittany Lions, it's on to one of the most offensive teams in all of football, You. CF big week for Pitt. No time to cry, Vince, as you like to say at H2P Show. If you want to follow along with us on Twitter, and I believe we're on Instagram as well, Pam. Yeah, we're getting some great followers on Instagram. Uh, we always post teasers for the show as well. So be sure to check us out on Instagram as well as on Twitter. And I know after this past week's game, everyone has an opinion and a thought. We want to hear it. We want to know what you think as well. Yes, definitely want to hear your thoughts on, of course, the controversial goal line sequence, uh, Pitt's overall uh, performance against Penn State and what you think about the matchup against UCF. We're talking about all that this week. And of course, we are brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcasts. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com right now if you would like to start your own podcast. Get started with your own personal producer, sound professional, and take a whole production load off of your shoulders with Pretty Easy Podcasts. Very, very affordable and very, very simple. It's in the name, prettyeasypodcasts.com. Okay, this week, I want to get right into the main thing we took away from this game because you could take a lot of negative from that. And I think some good, obviously, the the, the controversial call by Narduzzi to kick a field goal on fourth and goal from the one is what everybody's talking about. 
Or maybe not by now, because what, we are recording this on Wednesday. Are people in a shell now and just over with it by by this this point, Vince? I am kind of exhausted, and we, we you know, wait to the middle of the week to do the show, but I've talked extensively on campus and with friends and family about the call. Yeah, I've been, I've been talking with a lot of people, a lot of, and everybody just seems to be either or confused or upset or, or just doesn't understand, and it's... Uh, for me, I'm I'm done talking about it. There's nothing we can do about it at this point. Uh, but we got to move on. I guess we will recap it on the show, like it or not. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm still so upset about this. I think every day I just keep thinking about how upset I am about this. I don't think it really hit me until Sunday afterwards. I think that's when Sunday morning, as we were getting ready to go watch the other team in town, the Steelers. I just got so angry thinking through that last sequence and the stupid decisions that were made. And it's going to take a a while for me to get over this one. Yeah, if you're a Pitt and a Steeler fan, you had a a, a eventful weekend last weekend. And uh, from the anger of the Pitt game to the sadness of the Steelers, yeah, not not a not a great week for football in the Berg. But uh, the the main thing I took away from the Pitt Penn State game was the fact that Pitt played them so close, and we were correct, I think, in assessing the fact that man for man, Pitt was there with Penn State. This was just totally missing opportunities, probably on the coaching side. Narduzzi owned it at least, and and wouldn't back down on that. But uh, the, just some missed opportunities, some some errors just here or there on defense with some bigger plays. But overall, holding Penn State to 17 points, coming within a touchdown, talking afterwards about the game as if Pitt probably should have won that thing, and also a, a decent performance from Kenny Pickett. I mean, it's hard not to be down after a loss like that, but Pitt stepped up on the road. You got to take that away from it at least, Vince. Yeah, I'm I'm really wrestling with with what I want to take away from this game. Uh, and this is this is about you know the type of score that that I, I expected a, a low scoring game. I I don't I didn't think much of Penn State's offense coming into the game, and I don't think much of them right now. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about what we what we feel about this Pitt defense, who has really played well uh, this year. But you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, there's still a lot of things in this team that need to come together for, for them to come out with a win, and it, it just didn't happen. But maybe depending on how they fare this weekend, you know, maybe all will be forgotten. Yeah, Sadly, that, that, I don't. that's that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, I think you were I know, going. I, know. I don't think I, that's going to happen. <laughs> we were going to the same place there, Pam. This is a yeah. real, what, one of, if not the toughest game on the schedule this week. Oh, it absolutely is. And I just, I think there are some positives to take away from that. But at the end of the day, you lost to your rival in a game that's not going to be played again anytime soon. And that's not something you're going to forget, especially a lot of these guys might have played together before a lot of trash talking probably among players too, as well. And it just, it's not something that you're going to forget. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. You're not going to forget it, but if you're a player, you know you got to move on here because this this is really important. Uh, you, you got a big non-conference game again this week, and then you're going to hit the meat of that that conference schedule, and that's going to determine uh, what your season is like here. 
and it's going to be very interesting to see how this team responds because everybody agrees, you know, this is a horrible coaching decision. And I think the players would probably say something uh, to that effect if you asked them and they gave you an honest answer. Uh, If you're a player, how, how do you respond knowing that the coach didn't, put you in the best position to win. Especially and, and if I think you're that, a player on the offensive line, right? Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a huge thing here ugh. is how they're going to respond to this because you can't just quit on the coach, and I, I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but I, I guess it's possible that it could. Well, this is why this, this is such uh, a crucial call and a missed call by Pat Narduzzi. Where, I mean, he's... Obviously, he's going to defend his calls, that head man in charge. And, you know, he kind of bit back at the media saying, you're all on an armchair. You weren't in my shoes. Obviously not. But I think (laughs) most of us could agree that in a world where analytics and, and probability is so crucial to this process of calling plays in situational football, to ignore that kind of logic is even more egregious than it would have been 15, 20, 30 years ago. This is, we don't live in a time where the coach cannot be questioned like this. We live in a time where we clearly saw the best option for Pitt was to go for that fourth and goal. They did not, with minimal time on the clock, to, to score twice, as Pat Narduzzi said, and you're in a sport in a league where overtime is it's going to you're going to have a chance to win the game. The, the the rules of overtime do not hinder you. They do not stack the deck against you if you lose a coin toss or anything really. You know, college football what? overtime really puts you in a position to win either way. Playing for overtime in college football is okay. Is it's fine to do. I don't know why you wouldn't do that. So all these things we have to ask about Pat Narduzzi re- regarding that play call, but then compound <laughs> that, compound that. Now you go into your next game making that decision. Not only did you lose the football game because of that decision, but as Vince said, you have m- maybe put yourself in a, a spot as a head coach where you might lose the trust, the confidence whatever you want to call it, of your team. You basically told your offensive line, and you even said it to the media, weren't getting it done in the running game, didn't trust you to do it there, so we kicked. That is just all kinds of bad bad taste in the mouth going into a game against UCF, a team that you have to be extremely prepared for. Pam, sorry I cut you off so many times, but we woo. No, I keep going if you need to. Um, let's all let it out. Uh, but let's, since we're all hinting and talking around it, um, how about let's break down that final goal line sequence, not the final one. Uh, how much time was left? About five minutes left? Yeah, or under. What, 450? Yeah. yeah. So the first one um, was a pass attempt. Correct. Yeah, play no, action. No roll, one was roll, open. Pickett rolls out to the right. It seemed like the only receiver he had an option to throw to was running back. What is it? Was it Vince Day or is it AJ Davis? Was no was AJ. probably was AJ. AJ. That's yeah. another thing I want to talk about. But probably AJ. AJ was nowhere. You know, nowhere near open. The the tight ends. Who knows if they tripped, got jammed up, but they weren't anywhere in the end zone. Pickett throws it away on first down. No harm, no foul. I like a play action rollout on the goal line. Play actions to tight ends 
are good on the goal line. Play two, Pam. Uh, Pickett QB read and to the left, and he was stuffed. Yeah. He got nothing. Nothing was there. Yeah, yeah. The uh, option, you know, read, Pickett kept it and just got lit up right at, I think, the two. Actually, Pitt should have just been pushed back a little bit after that, and he gets stopped. So they went kind of with the, uh, the, the spread. They were in the shotgun there, Vince, on second down. What would you think of that? Yeah, this, well, I'll say this. You know, they had been going shotgun most of the game. Uh, they weren't going to run the ball, obviously. They didn't run the, uh, or at least they weren't going to do a conventional running play. Um, so, yeah, might, might as well go, go from the shotgun. And we'll, we'll talk about it here at the end, but these were not the plays I would have ran. <laughs> yep, third, third down. down. Yep, Cam Brown pressures from the right as Pickett was going to roll right and throw. They Penn State read that perfectly. Yes, guy was not open at all. Yep. Well, that was missed blocking too because I don't know if if you look at the Correct. play, the whole right side of the of the offensive line and the running back both just ignored Cam Brown as he walked freely to, right at Kenny Pickett well, well, who, who well, ran. That's true. But even if Pickett got rid of the ball quickly, uh, it, the the receivers were covered. Uh, so I don't unless there that was a, supposed to be a really long developing play. Uh, I don't think it was going to work out. Yeah, and well, then- well it, either way, it was blown blown to pieces immediately on third down. So fourth down, here we go. Three bad plays. What 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 does Pat Narduzzi do, Pam? <laughs> he he kicks a field goal down seven. But, hey, you need two scores to win the game. Actually, you need a touchdown and a two-point conversion. I think if we if we were sitting here today and pick, scored a touchdown there and they went for two and they ended up losing that game, I think a lot of people would be like, good for him. Going I, for the I win. don't know. Yes. I, not, with, not with five minutes left. I think people would have thought that was incredibly stupid. But – this is even stupider, though. Oh, I we're trying, we're You're comparing, right. You're like, right. apples and oranges. Stupid the, yeah. decision. In the you know, NFL, yes. College football overtime, you play for it. it you can yeah. you could play another three hours. LSU and Texas A&M showed us that. You know? If yeah. It's and, perfectly fine to play for an OT. Going for two would have also been insanity. And something I didn't think about, but Vince brought up to me after the game, was... You know, they missed the field goal. They should have, Vince's point, and I agree with him, taken a delay game penalty and moved him back a little bit to get a better angle on on that kick. That's a tough kick to make that close, actually. I, I yeah. don't even want to analyze the kick. It yeah. should have yeah. well, I, mean, I know. It's stupid, but yeah. hey. Poor, poor so What do you think about these play calls here? Uh, it, th- this, was, this was ridiculous to me. Um, a, a good friend of mine uh, – he, he summed this up. You had to go from here to there, you know, and, and you had four t- tries to do it. I mean, li- literally one or two yards to me. The, and I understand that they had trouble running the ball in this game. And I think a lot of that had to do with trying to run the ball east west out of the shotgun. But you know, this should have been nine offensive linemen in the game. A quarterback and a running back, a two hundred and, and, and a two hundred and eighty pound fullback, perhaps even you got that yeah, at your yeah. disposal. You know, the, the, to not even give them the chance 
to fail yeah. is why you you question this most of all. You didn't even you, you said we weren't running the ball well, 24 yards or whatever. Okay, but give them the chance to fail at the end. They're overthinking, overthinking, and, and it cost Pitt. Even if they w- didn't get it, Penn State's stuck on the one-yard line, and you've got yeah. some yep. some nasty defensive linemen who are getting after Clifford all game long. I al- I would say I would almost guarantee that Pitt would have got a safety anyway with Twyman, how he was getting yeah, after you could have got the safety, and you could have got the ball back there this and, is, and, a chance, and a chance to win the game. This is, I mean, tur- this is turning into what the Yinzers were saying a little too early. I feel I, I feel all, all – all fired up already, like we're doing that segment. But you know, it's it's true. This is not an attack on on Pat Narduzzi. I still think he's a good coach. I think he had that team fired up for the game. But situationally, this was just this was the whole game. You can't you can't twist it. Pickett throwing for three hundred and seventy yards, looking sharp at times, especially finishing that. I mean. I think he's working well with Whipple. I think Pitt has a quarterback yeah. they could win with, you know, but this was just uh, such a tough pill to swallow. And uh, the run game, who knows? I, that might go on Mark Whipple, though. I don't want to put anything on Pat Narduzzi when it comes to the play calling at the goal end. Mark Whipple's run game play calling has got to change. I have some thoughts about the running game. Very strong thoughts. Um, we, we saw mostly all game. It was mostly AJ Davis. Yeah. But the little bit of Vince Davis we saw, he's just a little bit quicker and a little bit more explosive. And I would have liked to seen them use him more in between the tackles to try and break something there. I think you talked about the East West run game, but I would have liked to seen, um, a little bit more of Vince Davis because what we saw of him, he's looked really good. <laughs> I like I like that they've gone with AJ Davis and a little Vince Davis. Sibley the, for the through the first few games has really struggled, but a little bit more of Vince Davis. I would have liked to see and see how that would have worked. I, I think we got to see you. more of him. Uh, he's the only guy that was able to score a touchdown. Right. I know in this game, and he he made the play to make it happen. Too. He's yeah. fast. Yeah. 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 Well. It's, when you have an offensive line that you don't trust or an offensive line that can't get push or an offensive line that's just really there, not doing much to help the running back, then you rely on you know quickness, speed, or some sort of athleticism uh, and ability in the running back to, to create. And you're right, Pam. I think Vince Davis has shown that of the, all the pit running backs, he is the running back that is most capable of creating his own play, making something out of nothing, Taking taking the ball a few extra yards that then he should be able to when it comes to you know how much space he has he did it against Penn State and he wasn't afforded an opportunity he was nowhere to be found on that last sequence was he no and even if they're going to con- and obviously going to continue to throw the ball more I would like to see him get more yeah. catches well well I suppose it didn't it, they weren't running the ball anyway so what did it matter if he was in the game. <laughs> Yep, they didn't no, run. No, but they did not I mean, the, the for the passing game, I would have liked to seen him there for the passing game. I sub- yeah, on that on that early screen pass that AJ Davis took a long way, he he did not have the Jets that I thought you know that he had, uh, and and that's a little disturbing. This is all disturbing because 
I would be fine with a pit loss. And the angry, the thing I was angriest about was the fact that Kenny Pickett had to run to the damn sideline every time to get the play in. That looked like little league. That I mean, did the, did Junior even do that in Little Giants? Vince, did he have to run to the sideline to get the play call? Icebox never did. I'll tell you that. <laughs> usually, yeah. Usually, like the the subbing wide receiver would do something would bring in the play call. I don't, I, I think this was just to protect against, against Penn state stealing uh, signs and, and signals. Uh, well, that, that, cost, that sort. caught piss pre- precious, precious play clock seconds. It, it made at I the think end it, for sure. I think it took I, a lot away from, from rhythm. It took away from a lot and, and it rushed everything. That was not good. And I would be happy if that was the thing that we were talking most about, but really no one is. Everyone's forgetting about that because Pat Narduzzi, made that call on on the goal line. Uh, you know, I like Pat Narduzzi. I think he's a good coach. But this is the first week, you know, every week you see on any, you know, a Panther Lair forum or on Reddit or wherever, people saying, ah, the coach should be fired for any team, and including Pitt. This was the first week I saw those posts and I just felt the pain and anger emanating from those forums. I don't agree with them at all, still. I don't agree with that. But I see where that anger is coming from. A lot, any more of that, though, is obviously not tolerable in Power 5 college football for sure. Yeah, I think all we could hope for is his, he learns from this mistake and how this turned out. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to su- support his decision in a press conference, as ridiculous as that may be. Uh, but he's, he's got to learn from this and, and, and move on because there was a good opportunity to win this game. And, you know, if this was against, you know, I, I don't, another, you know, top 15 ranked team, Florida or somebody UCF, like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody would be making nearly, people would be making a big deal about it, but you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt as much. Yeah. It, what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it's not like, it's not like fake punting against Notre Dame. It, it's, it's not, that was, that was a questionable call too. But that at least was, you know, maybe that was at least aggression and going for it and trust in players. This was, uh, what's what do they say about field goals, Pam? Kicking is for losers. Missing kicking is, I don't know what that is. It's just something I don't even want to talk about. The no miss kicks this week, let's hope. And let's hope for all touchdowns. And you're going to need a lot of them if you're the pit offense because I said it. This is an offensive team, not only because their offense is really, really good, but because they pretend like they're national champions, which is just silly. But UCF, everyone's favorite group of five team that has just embarrassed Pitt the past couple seasons, coming to Heinz Field on Saturday afternoon, having just crushed Stanford, and uh, goodness gracious, they are just plugging in quarterbacks and they're all doing the same thing throwing lots of touchdowns and not turning it over Vince. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, before the season uh, and you could go back in the archives and, and, and listen uh, to when we were talking about our season preview here, I thought that this was a game that, that pick could win uh, because I was looking at, you know, this quarterback Mac is hurt and they're going to be starting Brandon Winbush transfer from Notre Dame. I'm thinking this guy, you know, doesn't have the passing ability to really take advantage of some of Pitt's shortcomings that they've had against good spread passing attacks. But now they got this freshman, Dylan Gabriel, 
in there, and he has just been slinging the ball all around the field, nine touchdowns so far, zero interceptions. Uh, he is he picked up right where Mackenzie Milton left off. And and this is this is like a doomsday scenario. I think you, you do do not want to see this kind of kid come in here uh, because this has been the type of offense that we cannot stop. And I understand that the defense has been as good as it's ever been under Pat Narduzzi, but this is a tall task here. And I think we got to hope. You know, they haven't really played anybody yet. Uh, Stanford is, is is a shell of their their former selves. And I think we got to hope that, you know, they have three quarterbacks and hopefully that means they have no quarterback, but I don't think that's the case. No, that's not the case at all. Dylan Gabriel's excellent. Uh, fun fact, uh, Mackenzie Milton and him went to the same high school. So that high school in Hawaii is just producing quarterbacks left and right here. Um, the one thing, you know, we've talked a lot about Pat Narduzzi. The one thing about Pat Narduzzi is he gets his team's ready to play the big games, especially on the road historically. Um, This one's going to be at home at Heinz Field. UCF is just steamrolling everyone right now. And this team can score, and they can score quickly. And so the defensive line that's looked so, so good so far, especially uh, Twineman, they need to disrupt Gabriel, a true freshman. They need to get him uncomfortable on the road and – not fall behind quickly because if they fall behind quickly, Pitt's going to be forced into um, trying to play catch up as opposed to cl- uh, controlling the clock and the tempo. And that's when where Pitt might have a chance. Yeah, this is going to come down to this defensive line getting after Dylan Gabriel. But the thing I fear is they'll be able to maybe early on, but eventually UCF's going to get you. This is such a quick yeah. offense quick passes they're they're going to get theirs so containment is what i think all we could hope for from the pit defense which would be a lot more than what they've done against this team in in the past games so that brings it down to the pit offense keeping up with UCF i think they need to score in the 30s to have a shot and i i mean I don't know. I don't I don't know if Pitt's capable. Seeing what we've seen so far with the offense, uh the, well, the, there there've been there've been spurts, but I don't know like when Kenny Pickett was rolling against Penn State, that that se- that sequence those couple drives where he was just hitting every receiver, crossing routes down the field, he looked great. But he has to do that for all four quarters against UCF. And I don't know if he's done it even for one complete quarter yet. And UCF's defense, it's hard to get a tough read on them because they replaced a lot of guys from last year. But they're very aggressive. And they'll play a lot of guys, especially up front. And they'll just keep attacking and attacking and not relenting. And so it'll be interesting. We talked about the offensive line so far and how they they've looked very subpar i think this is going to be a big another big challenge for them um to be able to protect pickett because when pickett gets a little nervous except for in penn state he did good um he didn't even when he was pressured he was able to stay in there and make the right decision i'm interested to see how this ucf defensive line looks against better competition they played stanford 
and Stanford was missing two offensive linemen and their quarterback in KJ Costello. So it's been tough to get a read on the UCF defensive line so far. Yeah, and and I guess to, t- to touch on UCF's offense here, and I, I do agree that we're probably going to need to score 30 points uh, to stay in this game. But if I could be optimistic for one second, you know, you know, UCF, they are playing a true freshman quarterback who has not really faced any adversity yet. And so if Pitt could somehow, you know, get to this guy and rough him up a little bit, I feel like, you know, maybe he might crack under the pressure. Uh, but And you look at, at Pitt's defense here. You, you got three outstanding cover cornerbacks. Um, you, you got two very capable safeties. So, so, you know, I think the back end should be pretty good. You got some fast linebackers. You got an, a, a defensive line who's shown the ability to get after it, um, uh, despite having two of their top guys out for the year. Uh, so you think that they'd be able to, to, you know, really put some pressure on this team and, and slow them down a little bit. Are you worried about the cornerbacks, though? Well, I'm worried about the tackling. Because what we what we saw last game against Penn State was horrible. Uh, yeah, the tackling just awful, and that's really all Penn State had was was a couple uh, big plays from from just poor tackling and ba- bad angles being taken. Uh, but it, it seems like you know, I, I, I think we'd be very discouraged if UCF comes in here and scores. 50 points. I mean, th- th- then that's absolutely ridiculous for, for this defense. That that's, shows that it, it's never going to be uh, to where it needs to be. No, well, don't forget offense going to play a part of that. Pitt's offense can control clock. Correct. Would, would be epically huge for this defense because uh, apparently it looks like we, we they're going to at least have some guys on deck that haven't seen playing time yet in the secondary. Theron Coleman, uh, Eric Hallett might, might be out there ready to you know give some breathers since we know that uh Dane Jackson yeah. and, and and Damari Mathis are going to be running around a whole lot at corner and, and covering guys so uh, Pitt's got to be ready there early on too defensively is where you got to go you got to get them you got to get like you said Vince after true freshman quarterback like we said in Dylan Gabriel hit him early if you rattle him and he and he gets back to, to form hopefully you could rattle him and you got him you got him reeling a little bit to give you a, a chance at maybe getting some three and outs or at least forcing a couple of punts over under pam ucf punts three times oh <laughs> um I, it's not going to be a popular thought but i'm gonna say two under oh well, let's and, let's hope that Pitt might, gets some turnovers then. Well, yeah, and I think Pitt, Pitt can control the clock too. Yeah, yes, I think they can control the clock. Not saying that will result in a positive outcome. I yeah. think that is something that we we should consider because the the way that Pickett's thrown successfully has not been obviously down the field and big plays. It's been dinking, dunking, hitting guys on outs and crossing patterns. And moving the ball methodically down the field. The good thing about doing that, playing that kind of style, is that that will chew clock up, Vince, and could keep UCF off of the field. So even if Pitt doesn't force punts, if they could get a huge discrepancy in, in possession, there's your your opportunity at victory. 
that's huge because, you know, so far this year, we've gone up against two very good defense uh, defenses, I would say. I, I'm very impressed with Virginia's defense. Penn State's front seven, very, very good. Um, and we really struggled moving the ball. When the, well, against Penn State, we were able to move the ball, just couldn't, uh, couldn't get in the end zone at times. And against Ohio, I, I feel like we just weren't aggressive and, and, and j- just were very content in that game, I'll say. But this is a game where you got to score. Uh, because you're not going to be able to hold these guys down for that long. So I, I do like what you're saying, uh, maintaining possession. I don't know if, if we're going to be able to run the ball effectively here. We, we haven't seen it yet this year. Maybe against, uh, I'll, I'll call it not as talented defense as some of the other we played this year. Maybe we'll finally be able to get the running game going. But we've sh- certainly shown the ability to pass the ball uh, effectively at times, and we're going to need to be able to keep doing that. This is going to be a game where you absolutely have to have 100% mental focus all game long because you're facing a team capable of making a big play every single down, quick scoring from UCF. Pat Narduzzi going into, man, going from a game where he made one of his most questionable decisions into the week where he has to be the most prepared he's been as a head coach, I think, because you're, you're facing just a system, an offensive juggernaut in college football, and we're talking not just group of five, power five, an offense that scored on the LSU defense with all their great players and and top-notch recruits. They still put up over 30. So we're talking about a team that is just absolutely a terror for for teams like Pitt uh, that, that have traditionally struggled with this kind of offense like you've been saying, Vince. So here it is, the big test. And Pitt is a 12-and-a-half-point underdog at the Westgate in Vegas, I believe we're going by again this week, yeah. all season long. And, uh, well, the good thing is Pitt covered against Penn State last week on the road. So what what does that mean this week? I, I don't I, – I, I don't. I don't think it's going to be good <laughs> for whatever it means. I. Th- this is something that you know. I gotta. I gotta see it to believe it. Uh, to really stop a good good offense. You know, this is we. Got, I think we got a very talented defense. I think they're playing at a high level, but until they can prove that they can go out there and and, and really stop them, uh, I'm I'm not sure I can really put a lot of trust in it. I, I think the one the one advantage is that. UCF is playing a freshman quarterback that could be prone to some mistakes. He hasn't made any yet, uh, and maybe this is going to be the time. Uh, but you know, even if Pitt does hold UCF, you know, into the twenties, uh, I don't know how much confidence I have we could score over twenty points. So, what's your prediction? I, th- I think we're going to lose. What's the score? Uh, it may be like thirty to twenty. Something like that. Would you rather that? Yeah, maybe maybe 35 to 20. Would you rather that or a 35-34 loss? Oh, 35-34. That would be heartbreaking because I have a feeling if that happens, someone decided to kick it instead of go for two or something, and we're all going to be <laughs> arguing about the same thing again. No, yeah, I got that's, that's less than two touchdowns for an offense like this, and – Pitt's defense has looked all right, but Vegas, I don't know. Does, 
Vegas just in college football. I feel like I got them there. So I'm going to go UCF with the cover, Vince. I, I think it's a two-touchdown win. I'm saying 34-20. Pitt gets their 20. I got 41-28 UCF. Oh, jeez. Oh, 48 points. No, 41. Still 41 points. 41-28. That's a lot. That's, that's barely, a lot for us to score four touchdowns, though. That's a and that is and that's a very Vegas uh, score on a twelve and a half. I mean, that's that's it, that's it right there. Pa- Pam's got her finger on the pulse of this of the strip. Uh, twelve and I a half, twelve and a half. UCF. Uh, so Vince is the only one taking Pitt to at least beat the spread. No, no, I, no. I'm, I, I said thirty-five to twenty. Thirty-five twenty. Okay, so you're a point less than me. So. I hope I'm wrong. Again, I have the I have the lowest score. I did it again four weeks in a row. Right? It's, I, yeah. I've, all right. Let's keep keep the streak alive, and uh, hopefully, I'm uh, I'm wrong about who wins this game. Though I'd be glad. I'd be super happy. Would it make up for the Penn State loss? No, not for me. I don't know about you two, but would be a, a, a two and two a lot better than than one and three for sure. Absolutely. It wouldn't make up for the loss, but it would make me feel better about this team moving. I mean, we play Delaware next, but then into the ACC schedule. I I think I'd say for right now, it would certainly make up for it. And then some, maybe next June, I'll feel feel differently. (laughs) But, you know, for right now, if this, if we win this game, that's absolutely huge. And just want to reiterate, even if Pitt does go down at home on Saturday, I said this before week one. I said it in week two. said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. Pitt still can win the Coastal Division, even if they lose this game. And then after that, I'm not, I'm not affording any more losses. The curve is over. That's it. But after this one, this is my last, this is the last uh, mulligan you get. Pitt can, can afford to drop one this week. Let's all hope they don't. Kenny Pickett. You're going to need another career high, brother. Good luck. Godspeed. And uh, I don't know if, I mean, we spoke at least semi-positively about this game and a little bit about the Penn State game, but I got to imagine what's going on. I talked on campus with students. They were pretty negative all around about the feelings after the loss going into this week. And in the bars, on the streets, in the in the car. Mechanic shops all over Pittsburgh, Vince. I, I can only imagine what's being said about that loss. Yeah, it's not pretty. Another Saturday coming, and the Panthers are playing. Trying to find out what the answers are saying. What's that Narduzzi thinking? That's the worst call I've seen since Tomlin kicked that field goal down three scores to New England. They should get rid of him. They should get rid of Tomlin down there and then just get Juan Stat to coach both them teams down the south side in that. Oh, yeah. They should get even get Hans Ward come out there, be the receiver coach. Yeah. You know, none of these kids could catch a ball down there. Oh, and it just drops all all the time. You know, Lynn Swan ain't in USC and no more. Maybe he'll come and co- co-coach <laughs> with Hines. I think that's like the only thing they could do. And also, like, what's going on on the south side? That Rooney Field's too nice, you know. It's all indoors and air conditioned. It's making both teams soft. I'm, I've had it. I heard there's even a pool there. Plus, like too many permanies and, and irons. It's just not enough practicing. They ain't ready. 
Hell pit. Hell pit. But the answers are safe. So that's what the Inzers are saying. Uh, a lot of disappointment around town, but there's a there might be a lot of disappointment around the country this week. So some major games, a big noon kickoff, a big three thirty kickoff, and, and a monster game. Pam, I know you're looking forward to at eight o'clock on, on Saturday night. Alan, why don't you get us started here? Oh, college football, and it's the first real big noon kickoff, like an actual big game at noon. Michigan at Wisconsin, right? That's that's actually at noon for the first time. It Fox is. has yeah. a good game at noon that's like supposed to be a good game, unlike the Army Michigan game, which shouldn't have been a good game. But I guess Vince hit hit the nail on the head there. That was pretty good game, un- unfortunately for Michigan. But they won. Still, em- embarrassingly, they won, and they're going to get embarrassed against Wisconsin. Three and a half in in that in in Madison. I mean, this is. This is the beginning of the end for Mr. Khakis. You, you think so? Oh, no. I think Michigan's <laughs> going to roll them. I really you, do. You've seen Wisconsin. They look great so far this year. Who have they played? They played South Florida. Who decent, else have they played? A decent enough group of five team that could score points. <laughs> I think they played. <laughs> they scored zero points. On other teams. <laughs> I think I'm going to pull up their schedule right now because there's no way that Wisconsin's played anyone of note. Believe me, I'm not a huge Michigan fan, but I think Wisconsin's way overvalued here in this spot. I just I I don't see it. Central Michigan, they beat 61 nothing. They haven't given up a point yet. Wisconsin. They won Yeah, four- because they Yeah. I, they might I I 21 nothing. I got Wisconsin winning. They've only played USF and Central Michigan, correct? They've only played two games. They had a bye last week. They've played no one. I just and, I and Michigan and Michigan went to double overtime against Army and beat Middle Tennessee at home by less than twenty. I I mean I see what you're saying there, but at the same time, at least they're a little battle tested. <laughs> Well, Army's a very good team, and and that's a tough, tough offense to prepare for with only a week to prepare. Uh, Only Um, a week. (laughs) (laughs) Only had one week to prepare. Now, they did have a week off here. Both teams uh, They both had a week off before playing uh, this game coming up. Uh, I'm not quite sure who that gives the advantage to. Coach Christ, horrible, horrible with more than – you know, eight days to prepare. There's a lot. Of, uh, there's so a lot. Of, might, there's might. a lot of Paul Christ uh, hatred going on in this pick. I just think. I think that's the majority. There, you cannot be confident in anything going on with the Michigan football team right now. They don't look good. <laughs> no, they haven't. But I don't think. I know Wisconsin's put up big numbers, but play a good team, and we'll see what happens there. Oh, the, oh. They're they're gonna they're gonna have to wait to play a good team because this week they're not big noon kickoff Badgers and and Wolverines. I think Fox is you, gonna be mad. It's gonna be a blowout. Do you think Fox now they are on FS1 on on Friday night? They're gonna have yeah. Utah at, at Southern Cal. Do you Fight think on. that should have been the game here? Uh, n- no, no. That th- that's unfortunately. 
the the ride's over for for USC. Last week's tough loss against another team from Utah. Now the favorite. I mean, they could salvage some st- some stuff here, but that was a rough one to take. Could on Slovis throw it just pick after pick after pick. Hopefully he he fixes that up. But that's a big game, a big Friday night game. I mean, you have to watch college football this yeah. Friday night. USC Utah. Uh, if you're into Pac-12 football, this is one of their biggest games of the year. Could be, yeah. I'm really interested to see Reggie Bush's return to the Coliseum. That's probably what I'm most focused on for that game on. Do you Friday think he'll night. be driving in a Hummer? <laughs> whatever, whatever car he's driving in, he he will not have paid for it. I will say that. Bold predictions here. And we've got more coming up on some big games. Before we get to the huge, huge one, let's go down to a Saturday down south. Auburn at Texas A&M. Aggies minus four against Gus Malzahn. They're already – they got boosters who are reaching out to Bob Stoops down in Auburn already. Really? That's the rumor. I don't know if they're going to be able to get him away from the Dallas Renegades, but that – that's a topic for another show. Um, but you know, Bo Nix ha- has not been that spectacular so far. And I, I don't see a, a true freshman going into Kyle Field and coming out with a victory. The only thing is Auburn's defensive line is yeah. so good. That defensive line, if they can get pressure on AM consistently and just – for 60 minutes and not stop, that's their chance there. I got Auburn. I'm still sticking with it. It's one oh. of those Auburn, it's one of those Auburn years. I and uh, yeah. and AM did not look impressive against against tough competition in Clemson. Mm-hmm. I mean, who does? But this is a different animal playing against you know an SEC opponent. But I mean this these Auburn Tigers are no joke. And Bo Nix, when the when the lights were bright, he delivered in week one, in week one. And I, I'm I'm excited for this game. This is probably gonna be the most exciting game of of the weekend. I cannot. Wait. I'm with you. I'm picking first, Auburn too. First are big, you really? first big SEC game on CBS this year. Cannot wait. I, I don't. I really don't care for Auburn, but and it does seem like an Auburn year, but I. I, I'm still picking picking Texas A&M. I am. Helen Mond, you know he's like 400 pounds. Yeah. Uh, pizzle. Let's go early. What we do? I like driving in my truck. He likes to drive in his truck. Auburn sucks. Auburn sucks. I don't think they suck too bad this year. And I cannot wait. The end of the year. Gus Malzahn gets a three-year contract extension. <laughs> it's going to be the best. <laughs> SEC football. It's insane. All right. Notre Dame, Georgia. Big game of the week. It's the biggest game of the week, yet it's a two-touchdown uh, spread here. Vince, explain that to me. Georgia at home against the Fighting Irish, 13 and a half. Yeah, it's, a- it's actually risen up uh, to 14 at most at most as shops it, I've looked at. As it should. Uh uh, it opened at 10, though, right? 10 and I, a half? I, I didn't see that number. Mm. Um, but yeah, Georgia is, is just firing all, on all cylinders here. Uh, the Irish haven't been uh, really test. I mean, I guess they, they had a, a short stumbling block against Louisville in, in the first couple quarters of that game. 
but uh, you know, haven't really gone up against any heavy hitters yet. And uh, Georgia just looks so good right now. Um, I, I think they're going to blow this team out. I really do. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be very ugly. But the good thing about it is uh, Notre Dame is going to be put in a box. It's going to be sealed, and we could all shout, rest in peace to the Fighting Irish for 2019 because it'll be all over for them. And uh, Georgia can continue to uh, collect some hype and get people behind Jake Fromm until he fails miserably at the end of the season like they usually do. But I cannot wait. This is a fun weekend highlighted by some big SEC teams. Um Get, whoever wants on the Auburn bandwagon right now, there's room if you want. I'm on, I'm all over the Georgia Bulldogs all year long. I know you are, and I, I I'm you know me, I'm all over Auburn this year. So this is going to be fun watching SEC football. I'm I, I can't wait for that huge Georgia Auburn game. I know that's before you know it, that's going to hit us, and we're going to be getting really angry on this show because I think both teams will be uh, undefeated when we get to that point. Uh, no way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Auburn this year. It's one of those Auburn years. Any other – I'm looking at the schedule. Any other things that – games that we need to mention? Uh, oh, it's going to be fun to see Les Miles embarrass the Hoopleheads of West Virginia this week if you're looking yeah. for some Kansas, fun there. Kansas and West Virginia, both teams coming off big wins. Texas, Oklahoma State should be a good one as well, 730 uh, Saturday night. Um, Oklahoma State's done pretty well this year, and uh, their offense is, is rolling under Mike Gundy, as it usually is, but they're they're getting back on track here. That's not good, you know, that uh, Boston College lost to Kansas like that, for Pitt at least, because we, we got them on the schedule this year. That's that. That hurts our do, B- hurts our BCS our BCS uh, resume. Yeah, there. the computers aren't going to like that. Oh, that's for <laughs> damn you, Les Miles. All right, good fun college football weekend. Hopefully, Pitt can steal the spotlight. Almost did last weekend, but uh, we're on on to bigger and better things. We'll see Penn State in a hundred years. Uh, anything left to say before we uh, we head on out of here, Vince and Pam? Just hail to Pitt. Hail to Pitt. Oh, I get to finish it this week. Hell to pit! Now that I'm on my way, you should think I'm coming.